Welcome to the Waiting Warriors podcast. As loved ones of first responders and military personnel, we often face life situations and challenges that many others don't experience. And while each of us and our experiences are unique, together we can learn from one another and become stronger in this journey of life. Now let's step out of mediocrity. It's time to thrive. Today's episode for the Suicide Prevention Awareness Series is much more emotional, but so important for all of us to hear. So open your heart and grab a box of tissues, and let's welcome Alara to the show. Hi guys, welcome to The Waiting Warriors. Today is very special because my guest is actually my family. Um, Alara recently married one of my cousins, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. Um, her story before meeting my cousin is intertwined with this month's special topic because her husband completed suicide. And I'm personally very grateful for you, Alara, um, for your willingness to share your story with me and the waiting warriors. Um, I really feel that we will all be very blessed by what you have to say, um, raising both our awareness of suicide and desires to help people who are struggling. So, Alara, um, where do you think we should start, though? Um, well, I found it interesting that you said completed suicide because uh, I, early on, decided not to say um, committed suicide. I just mm-hmm. said died by suicide um, because I do feel like that it's a uh, almost like a disease really that people can have um, where it's whether it's depression or PTSD um, you don't you don't necessarily like happen upon it Um, and so anyway I just I liked that you used that terminology completed suicide Yeah. And for those of you listening who don't know, which I actually didn't know until Austin started all his chaplain training and everything. It's, it's not only like, it's not like a political correctness thing. Cause I know I'm personally kind of turned off sometimes when people are like, it's politically correct, but it, it really is. uh, The best word that I can think of is just respectful both to the past and to the people who have been left behind to stay completed. Um, I wish I had asked Austin what the better word other than respectful, but I think you touched onto it. So for those who are listening, it's, it's not committed suicide. It is completed. Or I like what you said, death by suicide. Yeah. Cause committed kind of connotates a, a fault or a crime really. Um, and in my opinion, I, I don't believe that it's a crime. I, I do believe that it is wrong, but it's not, it's not a crime in that sense of the word. Yeah. So where do you think we should start with your story? How far back do you want to go? Um, I, I guess I can talk a little bit about, my history with my spouse. So he was active duty military and, um, all throughout his upbringing, he always wanted to be a grunt in the military, um, specifically a sniper. And, um, he went into, um, special forces training and 
the two weeks in hell um, and made it to the end but didn't get cut for it. And uh, anyway, so he decided to just be infantry enlisted and knock down doors that way. Um, and then in 2005, um, when the war was really bad, he was in Missoula for most of that and in a lot of bombings. Um, and then the last one, uh, is, is the one that hurt him the most. He had, um, he was a striker driver and he had, um, inhalation burns. Um, he was in a coma, um, it, it was not looking good there for a while. And at this time we were, we were only engaged. And, um, anyway, miraculously he survived. But what we didn't realize at the time was that, um, the blast created a brain injury as well, um, as all of the internal burns and internal complications. And that was not something that we really realized until, maybe four years ago. Um, and I, I don't know why really, I don't know if that was just something that wasn't really well known back then, or, um, if it was just not talked about, I really couldn't tell you why we didn't know. Um, but as time grew and, and we, you know, developed our marriage and, there were certain aspects of him that he would even say, like, I I don't enjoy things the same way that I did before I went to Iraq and got injured. And, um, and little things like that kind of affected him more and more. He had survivor's guilt pretty bad um, and suffered from PTSD. But again, we, we really didn't know that um, for quite a few years. We just kind of thought it was just life, to be honest, because after he was infantry, uh, he decided to still stay in the army um, after he got injured and he became a nurse um, and went green to cold and became an officer. And I think the dichotomy between being a grunt and being in the infantry and then being a part of the army as a nurse, but not really. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that kind of affected him more than either of us realized that it would. He he liked helping out soldiers and he liked doing that aspect of it, but he didn't like that there wasn't more he could do for them. Um, so he struggled a lot in, in life. Um, he had a hard time as a family man. Um, and again, these are just like little signs that we really didn't realize. Um, we thought, like I said, that it was just life. Um, and then we moved from, we were stationed at Fort, um, Lewis, JBLM in Washington and, um, got orders to Fort Irwin, California, uh, which is kind of hell on earth really. Um, (laughs) and it it was okay. We liked that we were close to family. Um, his family lives in Utah. So we liked that aspect of it. We liked that we were close to Disneyland Um, but I think the surroundings of it was not helpful for him at all. Um, if anybody on here has ever been to Fort Irwin, they know it kind of looks like the desert. It looks like Iraq and, um, that's where they do their trainings before they go. And so I think that aspect of it and then not being a grunt, 
um, really affected him. Um, the time that we were there and he, he did, he just, he kept getting progressively worse in many ways. Um, he had a lot of anger issues and it was sort of like a night and day sort of thing. Like you never really knew when he would blow up and, um, we kind of just dealt with it except for, I had three little kids and I was protective of them. Mm-hmm. And getting frustrated um, because I didn't know how to help him. And I wanted him to get help. I knew there was something wrong. I did my own research on PTSD and I felt like that's what was wrong with him. I felt like that's what he had. And I wanted him to get the help that he needed. And um, I don't know if it's a pride thing or the way the military works where they make it they make it difficult almost to get help. And what I mean by that, maybe it's only my experience and I could be entirely wrong, but I feel like they make it so that because it, it'll put a bad mark on your record. Um, then why would you want to do that? Why would you want to say that you need help? Yeah. And so he didn't want to risk that, you know, the military was already downsizing enough as it was. And he didn't want one reason to give them to downsize him when he loved being in the military. Um, yeah. but because of all of those things, he just, he didn't get help and we were struggling and finally it came to a point where he just felt like, um, like there was no other path for him. There was no other choice for him. And I felt at first like people in the military maybe blamed me, um, because I should have seen the signs, right? Like everyone feels that way that, that the spouse or the family member or the best friend or whoever it is that you're with the most should see the signs. But because we were so concerned with his PTSD, um, I didn't see those signs as far as suicide goes. And to this day, I don't think that he woke up that day thinking this is what I'm going to do. Um, I, I really think it was a kind of last minute decision for him. Um, and which is, and is not comforting at the same time. Um, because there was only so much that I could see and notice instead of like noticing that he was going through the red flag survivor suicide connotations, such as, um, calling loved ones and saying your goodbyes in your way, closing out accounts, things like that, that, you know, people say are red flag signs that just, it wasn't there. Um, the main things that were there were depression and, uh, the things from PTSD, the survivor's guilt, the anger, um, things like that, that that's what we were most focused on. Um, so that's kind of that part of my story. Interesting. I didn't realize that like you were thinking it was more PTSD as opposed to suicide. Yeah, I had no idea. And and even now I look back on pictures and memories and I still to this day wonder what happened and what he was thinking. Um, and in his case, he had somebody there with him when he died. And And even hearing that person's side of their conversation that they had before he chose to end his life, I still don't understand it. I I get, you know, that he felt like 
me and my daughters would be better off without him. I understand his point of view, but I don't understand how he got to that point where he felt like like that choice to end his life would be more beneficial than sticking it out and trying. So trying to figure out how to best word this. So I know you mentioned that you were more focused on the PTSD. Were there things that in the moment you were thinking PTSD, but maybe um, looking back and in hindsight might have been red flags that you think could benefit someone who's experiencing similar things with their loved one right now? Yeah, the thing that I think of the most that comes to mind is the depression for sure. And then also the feeling of uh, not only not being good enough, but feeling like nothing can bring you joy. Nothing that anyone does or says to you or helps you with will change how you feel and bring you joy. And that's kind of where he was at. Um, and I, I wish that I had seen a little bit more of those things instead of just attributing those to PTSD and, and a TBI. Because a traumatic brain injury will change your personality. And in many ways, his did change. Um, but I should have thought a little bit more or asked more questions to other people about those other things, the, um, the way that he just wasn't, he couldn't find happiness. And I think that's the biggest key really is, is when you're in that situation. And I've talked to other people that have tried to commit suicide since he's passed and all of them say the same thing that they, they feel this unbelievable darkness in their life and they can't get out of it when they're in that moment where that's what they want to do. They see no other option. They, they cannot see the light through the darkness. And I wish, I wish he had found a way to, you know, as Dumbledore says, I wish he had found a way to turn on a light. Um, and that's, that's something that I couldn't, I did not have the resources to know how to do that for him. Mm-hmm. And when you say depression, how do you, what, how did that manifest for him? Is that what you mean by, um, he couldn't find the joy in anything? Was that his depression or did depression manifest in different ways for him? Um, for him, um, it was not only that he couldn't find joy and, and really, I think the only place he had joy was Disneyland when we would go. Um, but I think it was also the fact that he would escape life. Um, and most do when they have PTSD or depression, they'll, they'll find some avenue of escape that makes them feel like they're not living their life anymore, which they want. Um, so, so for him, it was escaping life. Um, but he, he wasn't a drinker. He knew what that would do to him. And so he chose not to drink. I think had he been a drinker, that would have been his escape route would, would be through drinking, but he chose other avenues of escaping reality, um, so that he didn't have to feel the pain inside that he felt. Okay. What do you think has been helpful and unhelpful in your experience and journey, both before and after, because I know you and your girls have been through a lot 
since then. And I'm sure there have been things that people either have said or done that were on both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. Uh, maybe about a month or so after he had died, um, a good friend of mine said that one day I would find joy. And I thought she was just full of crap. I really did. I was like, there's just no way that I'm ever going to find joy through what happened. I'm so confused. I don't want to raise these girls alone. I'm mad at him for leaving me to do that. And the problem with suicide is that you do get mad at the person, but you feel guilty for doing so. Um, because it's not an accident in, in that sense of the word. It's not a car accident. It's not car. It's not cancer. Um, they ultimately chose to do that. Um, and because of that, I felt like I couldn't be mad at him, even though I was for, for choosing to do that, um, for not seeing another way. And I, I didn't want to find joy as well. I um, fought it a lot because I felt guilty even in that. I felt like if I found joy, I was doing him a disservice and making it seem as though he was right in making his choice that we were better off. And in no way do I feel that way. Um, And... I knew, though, that I had to for my girls. I wanted them. This was not their fault. And I wanted them to know that even through pain and trials, they can find joy and have happiness, real happiness, not just this fleeting feeling that we feel when we're riding a roller coaster or something but real inside happiness that can actually stay with us when we go through trials. And um, it wasn't for a while later, but I did decide to try to find joy. And I'm thankful for that friend who told me that, um, that I would. And she said, because I've known the ultimate sorrow, I would know what joy was when I found it. And I 100% believe that. And I don't feel like it makes his death um, have meaning at all. Um, I do feel like because of his death, I have grown and become stronger. Um, but I, I would rather that than wallow every day. I do think about it every single day. Um, sometimes it's just a fleeting moment that I think about, but... There literally is not a day that I don't think about him or what happened um, or what I could have done differently. But that doesn't stop me from living my life. And I think that of all the things in this world that he could have wanted for us, it would be that we would that we would live our life. Um, and that's what I try to do. That's the way that I try to make sure that his life has meaning is by sharing his life with my daughters and um, letting them know that he loved them no matter what the outcome was and that he wanted them to live their life and find joy in it. You're incredible. I just have to say that. Um, 
So do you, what were the unhelpful things? I think this is kind of the most important thing for people to hear (laughs) what, what not to say. Um, like, did you, did you find it comforting versus uncomforting if somebody said something like, well, he's in a better place or what, what was unhelpful? Yeah, pretty much all of those standard things that people say when someone dies pretty much sucks when you're the one going through it. Um, I remember very clearly at his viewing, so many people saying to me, at least you have your girls, right? That was the last thing in the world that I cared about. I mean, I cared about them, but I was mad that he left me to raise them. And so for me, that was not comforting. I I didn't like the fact that I was constantly reminded of him because of my girls, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And so that was not helpful. I didn't like that people would say that um, he was in a better place and he was learning things and going to improve. And the thing that I hate the most that I still hear at times is... I really hate that people say to me that he did this for me. Um, I feel like any time that is said, it's like a stab to my heart that people will say that he did this for me and the girls. And uh, it it takes a lot of willpower not to smack people in the face (laughs) when they say that, to be honest. Um, because in no way do I feel like suicide benefits anybody. It does not benefit the person that chooses to die by suicide. And it does not benefit the people that live their life once that loved one is gone. Um, because it's not the same. I, every little thing that the girls do, whether it's starting school or, um, church things that we do, we're, we're LDS and my, Seven-year-old will be eight soon, and and at eight, we get baptized. And little things like that, thinking about her being baptized by someone that's not her biological dad is heartbreaking to me. And people don't understand that, that I think those things every single day, every milestone, when they lost a tooth, I cried. I cried because I was sad that I couldn't share that with their own father. And so I just, I wish people would be a little bit more sensitive to that aspect of this, that it's, it's so easy on social media now to see the happy smiling faces and think, oh yeah, she's doing really well. This, this was better for her. Um, her kids are great. Like they don't act out, you know, and they are amazing for what they've gone through. They're pretty dang good girls, Mm -hmm. but we still have conversations quite often about their dad and, and the feeling of loss that we have, the tears that we shed together because of it. Um, we were watching a movie the the other day and, um, the parent, um, couldn't remember his daughter and it was heartbreaking. The scene that we were watching and Alana, my oldest, she cried hysterically and she just, she missed her dad in that moment. And it's those little things that people don't see. And so I wish that because of that, they could understand that they don't see the big picture. They don't see everything that that we are. They just see this little snippet of who we are, um, but not everything. And so they need to be just a little bit more sensitive. Um, The other thing that people say just in passing that I dislike is, oh, man, I'm going to kill myself. You know, if they're frustrated with something, 
Um, and whether I hear that on TV or hear that from somebody else, I cringe inside because Mm -hmm. not until that's touched you, do you understand what exactly that means and why that flippant statement is so awful to say. (sighs) (laughs) Um, so you touched a little bit on this, but, um, I know a few, was it a few weeks or a few months ago, you had a post on your social media, which you're, you're often very open about just like what you're going through and the feelings that you've had. You posted something about moving on versus moving forward because you have remarried my cousin, which I sometimes feel like I benefit more of than anybody else. Um, you guys have another daughter together. You, you guys do get along really well. He's so good to your girls. Your girls love him. He loves your girls. He brought a daughter into the family. You all, at least from my point of view, get along really well for a blended family. Um, but I, I just, I don't think I'll ever forget your post about moving on versus moving forward. And I was hoping you'd maybe be able to talk about that for a bit. Cause I know like somebody had said, or maybe a few people had said like, Oh, it's a good, like, I'm happy you're moving on. Is that what had happened? I I had people when they found out that I was engaged to say it's so, and they were saying this sarcastically, but it's so nice how easily you are able to move on. Um, and I hated that terminology with every fiber of my being. Oh, I bet. Because I never move on from him. Um, not, not only because, I mean, we were married for almost 11 years and you, you don't stay in a marriage that long if you don't love the person, generally speaking. Right. And so, so for me, it had nothing to do with moving on and everything to do with moving forward. Um, because to me, moving, moving on means you've forgotten about that person and you're leaving them behind. Um, which to be honest was something that I felt when I got engaged. Um, it was difficult for me because I wondered how I was going to keep my previous spouse in my life while still loving my current spouse. And, it wasn't until I realized I'm not moving on at all. Um, he is a part of our life. Um, we, we share him with the girls every single day and I am moving forward. And that moving forward is choosing to live life despite the trial that we have had and, and still have in grieving him. And that's why I said the difference between moving on and moving forward. I think everyone that suffers a loss of any kind should move forward um, because that is what our loved ones that are on the other side would want for us. They wouldn't want us to just sit and mope and, and be miserable every day in, you know, it would not be healthy or good to do that. But moving forward denotes bringing that person with us. Um, in a positive way so that we can, we can be this, this weird sort of complete family with my previous spouse and my current spouse and our children, our combined blended family. 
oh man, you're so good and so <laughs> wise. <laughs> um, thank you so much for sharing. And last question that I end every interview with, what is your key to thriving that you would like to share with your fellow waiting warriors? My key to thriving, this might take me a minute. Mm -hmm. My key to thriving would be love, as dorky as that may sound. um, I truly believe that when we when we really love ourselves, which is something that I had to learn to do after his passing, uh, when we truly love ourselves, we can actually love other people the way that we should. And I, I feel like when you become a widow, you do understand what love means. Um, you, you understand what the little things are that don't matter in life. And so every moment because becomes something great, um, whether that's a bad thing or a good thing, every moment because becomes something powerful and beautiful. And all of that is because of love that you fully understand. Um, just like my friend said, once, once you've gone through the ultimate pain and sorrow, you understand what joy actually is. And I feel like because of that, pain and sorrow, I have found love. Um, and I don't mean for my current spouse at all, although I do love him immensely. I just mean this overall surrounding love of life. Which you definitely have. I have witnessed. You I do be- try to have it, yes. <laughs> I can, for those of you who don't know Alara or don't get to know Alara after this, like she exudes and just explodes out of her body, out of her face, out of her smile, just this light and love for life. And like even just a gratitude for every minute and second. And it's really an amazingly beautiful thing to witness. Thanks, Michelle. No problem. Um, So that's, I won't torture you anymore or I won't um <laughs> ask you any more of the hard questions <laughs> but thank you so much for being here I am so grateful um I know this helps me I know your story is so touching and so powerful so I'm sure it will help other people um and yeah thank you so much um okay so if people want to connect with you how can they connect with you um, they can through Instagram um, at picking our pieces, um, which maybe sounds funny, but what why I decided that name is because it's it's picking out the pieces of life and joy and pain that we want to share with other people and let them be a part of our pieces of life. Awesome. And if you guys are following me on Instagram, which my handle or name is just the waiting warrior, I'll be in the post for this episode. She'll be like tagged in the description, everything. So that's an easy way to find her. And I'll put it in the um, show notes and everything. So again, Alara, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody reach out to her and just send her all the love that she deserves. 
Until next time, guys, have a good week. Thanks for listening today. And a huge, huge thank you to Alara for sharing so fully her story so we can all better understand and hopefully find ways to bring the statistics of suicide down. If you have any worries about a loved one, please reach out to the appropriate hotlines. And as always, feel free to take a screenshot of you listening to the podcast and post it on Instagram or Facebook, or even just simply talk about it with friends. Silence is our worst enemy. Until next time, have a great week.